Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de beer. All right, hello everyone and welcome back to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. We're the show that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. I'm Reg Roberts once again and with me as per usual, I'm Matt Rowley. How are you, Matt? I'm good, mate. Excellent. And Hugh Cavill, how are you, Hugh? Oh, it's, it's been a long couple of days, Reg, but we're here now, so let's let's get it going. I uh, know, you spent bloody, what, 12 hours together on uh, on the weekend. We have to do it all again on Tuesday night. Um, look... Uh, we're going to, no trivia at the top, there's no questions at the top, we're going to get straight into our burning questions because we've got a couple of guests tonight, we've doubled down um, after the Scottish win and with so much happening in Australian rugby at the moment, so our top five burning questions for the night, this is what they are before we get stuck into it. First one, question one, that rant, Jack Quigley, all over the place, was it on the money or wide of the mark? And we're going to have Jack on the show tonight, which we're thrilled to have. Uh, question two, were there any positives from that Scotland game? Question three, give me one reason to be excited about the Italy game. Question four, uh, can the Lions beat the All Blacks this weekend? We've got JB from the Egg Chasers podcast on to help chat about that. I'm sure he may mention the Wallaby performance as well. And then question five, our under-20s finished six. Is this a pass or fail? But straight to the top, we've got the man himself, Jack Quigley, uh, the king of social media this week uh, on the show. Jack, thanks for joining us, mate. A pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Mate, look, give us a rundown. I think all most people who are listening to the podcast would be familiar with your story. We shared the Facebook post on our page. It's obviously built a lot of traction. Give us a bit of a rundown of that sort of those events straight after the game to the Facebook post, and then what happened post that with the ARU, mate. It's a, it's an amazing story. Uh, mate, the, the post-game stuff was... I was actually at the, the 40th birthday of, of the president of my rugby club. So naturally, there was a bunch of us watching the game. And it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon kickoff means that it makes for a long afternoon of drowning your sorrows if, if things don't go well. And that, that's all it was. Um, and it, it just... Uh, it was funny. I got home at sort of 11.30 at night or 11 o'clock at night. And, uh, you know, I was still a bit cranky and... Uh, the missus sort of went to bed and I found myself on, on the couch uh, with my phone in my hand and I thought, look, I'm, I'm just going to just put down a few thoughts about how I was feeling. And it was never intended to be anything other than just a, a bit of a vent to get a few things off my chest that I was frustrated about the game. And uh, it wasn't until I woke up the next morning and checked my phone that I realised that, you know, well, first of all, how long it was and, and secondly, how much it seemed to... Uh, to click with people and there I, I actually thought about going and changing a, a few things about it there are a few things in there that are, you know aren't necessarily true and there are things in there that are a bit harsh that I, I wish I could probably have back again you know namely calling out um, individual players which is not something I, I like to do um, in team sports and you know but I'd, I'd have a, f- a few beers by that point in time but I decided not to, to edit it because clearly there was something about it that was striking a chord with a lot of people. They were engaging with it uh, on an emotional level. Um, and I, I figured it was probably just best to leave it as it is, warts and all. Yeah, that's great, Matt. Oh, look, I, I think that's a good call. I, I like the honesty there. You're, you're right. There's probably a few things that a few people picked up on. But in the end, it's about the message. And it, it is unbelievable how it took off. I'm, I'm sure your phone must have been going nuts with all the notifications. Um when I mean, when did you realise it was as big as it was, as, as, as gained as much sort of uh, notoriety as it did? Uh, well, I sort of kept half an eye on it um, Sunday morning, but then I, I forgot about it for a little while, and then it wasn't until I started getting sort of texts from, you know, my, my rugby teammates and, and my mates who were telling me, you know, we've, we've got a group chat for our, for our rugby team. Uh, and they were posting screenshots of the number, and it just kept going up and um, and up and up and up. And that was when I sort of started to, you know, understand that that this was hitting a nerve with people. But the thing is, what a lot of people <clears throat> need to understand about the post is, it was written, and you know, from a perspective of, of frustration, but ultimately from a perspective of love. Not it wasn't a hate mm. piece, and. That was the best part for me about 
speaking to Michael Checker, when I was a bit nervous about what he was going to say when he rang, and when he rang, he totally got it, and he he said he told me that he, that he spoke to the players about just that thing and and how this wasn't just some troll online who wants to get a rise out of us. Like some bloke has poured his heart out here and he cares, and he wouldn't have bothered to write this if he didn't deeply care. And I, I was so glad that he understood what was intended because obviously, you know, I probably could have said a few things better. Um, but, and, and the other thing to remember in all this is that uh, unfortunately the Wallabies are, are the lightning rod and they've taken the blame for what is a lot of frustration that I had with the, the organization of Australian rugby for the last decade plus. And I said that to, to Michael on the phone and, and I said, unfortunately you guys, sort of bore the brunt of it and he said the opposite he said no it's a privilege that, that we're the ones who get to be the face of the game and, and that means the bad as well as the good so he was willing to take responsibility for things that had nothing to do with him and it was the phone call was extremely reassuring that, that we do have the right man in charge of this team I can tell you that can you, and I'd love to hear more about the conversation but I'm, I'm intrigued just about the logistics of this how did it happen how did Checker get your details Mate, I don't know. The thing is, I'm a registered rugby player, so I'm sure he could have so called the yeah, ARU yeah. uh, to, to just go into my rugby or whatever it is and, and, and look me up. But the thing is, I, I got a, a message from uh, Ian Payton, who, who writes for the Daily Telegraph, yep. and he said, mate, just, just a heads up, he, he knows about it. Um, and that was on <laughs> Sunday afternoon. So that was that was sort of terrifying in itself. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, and then it, there was just this waiting game, and then my phone was going hot all yesterday um, you know if I wasn't on the phone it was beeping to tell me I had another call coming in uh, and then eventually another number rang that I didn't recognise and I picked it up and I, I did the usual you know hello Jack speaking uh, and there was just this really long pause and before he even said anything I knew exactly who it was in a way <laughs> um, and then then in just his, his tone he said you know, Jack, it's Michael, and that was enough. That was, uh, and I, I actually said, I, I know, I already knew. Um, and then we we had a, a great chat for the best part of half an hour, and it was, you know, we we punched out a lot of things, and he told me a lot of things in confidence about the team that that I, you know, I said I'd keep in confidence, and um, and that that was really great. And you know, far, I actually said, mate, you should have called me off a private number, and he said, no, it's quite <laughs> the opposite. I want you to save my number. Um, and, and use it again in the future. Keep in touch. Make sure that there is a connection between the grassroots and the, and the wallabies. Well, mate, look, um, you might not know, but pretty much no one listens to this podcast. So, um, <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be... We haven't you'd be started much, recording yet. Yeah, you'd be pretty much keeping... Well, actually, we are finding out that we're not sure our producer is recording it as we, as we read this, but um, and it's okay, Nick. I have a backup recording going. But um, look, without re- revealing, I mean, you know, I'm not going to actually ask you exactly what he kind of talked to you about there. But I mean, what what was it? That, what was that sort of stuff? Was it about what the team's trying to do? Was it about where they're struggling? Was it about what his what his frustrations with the team are? I mean, what in what sort of general areas was that sort of discussion? Yeah, look, absolutely. I can tell you that sort of stuff. He, the first thing he wanted to make clear was that he didn't want any excuses, and and he said, "Look, I'm going to offer you some explanation and some context as to why some of the issues we're having are here, but they're not excuses. I just want to, you know, you're interested, and I want to tell you." And an example for me was, uh, for, because I, I said to him, "The, um, you know, there was, that game with 15 minutes to go was anyone's to win, and the fact that we didn't win it." It, you know, it came down to whoever wanted it, and it didn't appear that we wanted it, and that was what was so alarming. Um, mm. and, and he said to me, look, to give you some context, first and foremost, our players aren't fit enough. They're nowhere near the level that he wants them to be at fitness-wise, but mm. he, a lot of them have come back from Super Rugby in poor shape, and he needs time with them to get them fit. And he explained how in the lead-up to the World Cup, when we had such a good run, he had four months to whip these blokes into shape, and they were he flogged them for four months, and, and all of a sudden, our skill level in the park seemed to increase. It's not because they were more skilled, it's because they weren't as fatigued and making errors. And that's a very valid point. And he also said that he's picked this squad from a bunch of players who, week in, week out for the last three months, have been losing in Super Rugby. And losing is a habit, and you forget how to win. So when the game was there to be won, we've got blokes who just have no confidence right now 
to go and take the game by the scruff of the neck and win it. And we were playing against the Scotland team, who are actually on the up at the moment. They've had a very strong Six Nations where they picked up some really good wins, and they mm. knew how to go and get the job done. So that's an example of sort of him providing an explanation without it wanting to be an excuse. And he kept stressing to me that these are no excuses. We need to be better. Mm. Uh, but this is his, these are his feelings on some of the issues that I raised. Mm. Well, and one of the things that we talk about is that it, there just seems to be one way of playing um, at the moment and that it can't get out of our own half. <laughs> did, did you kind of touch on anything about that, about the current tactics or anything like that? I, I, I did I did ask him at one point in time why, you know, after working so hard for the first five minutes of the game, of the game to get the ball off Scotland, we had a midfield scrum and, and Will Guinea grubbed the ball away to nobody. Um, mm. And, and I, I lost his response in, in the amount of sort of big words that he was using against me. But, um, you know, he, he's an extremely, he's got a real presence about him. I'll give him that. Um, I did sort of ask those questions, but his his real issue that he wanted to get across to me was was not so much about the technical side of things. Uh, it was that he was so desperate to let me and everyone else know that these blokes do care. It was it, it was wrong to assert that that they don't. And he said mm. that you know they they care during the week that we don't see. They care a hell of a lot and they're putting in a lot of the work. But he acknowledges that they only get an 80-minute window on a Saturday afternoon to show everybody else how much they care. And they fluff their lines on the weekend when they had the opportunity to do that. And they've got to own that and bounce back next week and give a better showing. Yeah, fascinating. So are you going to get up for the Italy test, Jack? Or what's the plan? I am, mate. Yeah, I'll, I'll make the drive up on, on Saturday uh, Saturday morning. So I'll, uh, I'll head up. Have you I'll, pr- I was going anyway. Have you practiced your speech to the players? Or I haven't. To be honest, mate, I've not pursued. I, I wrote that extremely facetious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. Michael, yeah, and, and the thing is, I, I even if you know for a PR stunt, they they threw me in there. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to say anything more because he's he's already stuck it to the wall, and he told me that the players were angry about it and they were frustrated. He had to say to them and explain to them what I said earlier about this is a bloke who he's not trolling you, he cares. Um, so and, and they have to walk past that all week. And in a way, that's a bit humiliating for them. So I hope that, um, you know, he, he's done more in this week to get my message across than I could in 15 minutes anyway. But that's interesting. I find that interesting that the players were angry about it. You know, I mean... Look, I read it and I saw passion in it. And, you know, like we said, there's a couple of points he might disagree with, but it was all about passion. God, I hope the players aren't in a state where they think they're beyond reproach. And, and, and that, you know, that losing touch with the fan is one of my big concerns with Australian rugby. You know, I guess I've said it for a little while now that I, it feels like these wallabies are um, almost like a, a corporate franchise or a private franchise rather than, you know, representatives of the Australian rugby team and who, who represent you and your club at Lismore and things like that. And, you know, Hugh's, you know, Subby's club and my boys' junior clubs and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It, it just feels like they've lost touch. And that, you know, those sorts of comments worry me. So I can I can see Czech is just looking for an avenue to, to reconnect them and ground them. And, and, you know, mate, if your Facebook post did that, that's great. And, and um, you know, you can claim more credit for the victory on the weekend, hopefully. Yeah, well, uh, my mates and I were joking earlier today that it's win-win for me. Either we win well and I get the credit or we lose and everyone thinks I was right. So, um, <laughs> you know, obviously I'd prefer the Wallabies win, mate. And, and yes. Because as as I said earlier, there's a ton of issues with Australian rugby and, and yeah. you guys know that. I don't need to tell you. But all, if the Wallabies win, at least blokes like us can lo- can have a smile and a beer and, yeah. and enjoy it and feel good for a few days before we remember how terrible everything else is with the game. So, you know, I, I don't want the Wallabies to do poorly. I, I, I hope they win and win well, and I hope Bernard kicks a bunch of goals, and I hope all the lineouts go according to plan, and I look like a complete idiot because I'll, <laughs> I'll be glad to see them uh, see them come off. Yeah, all right, mate. Jack, we're going to let you go, mate. Really appreciate you coming on because I know you've been uh, you've probably been flat out the last few days. But um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for getting across, I guess, your point of view. But also, Michael Check is it's it's really I think it's really quite heartening to hear, and, and hopefully the boys can sort of use it as a, a, a jumping pad for uh, the Italians on the weekend. That's it. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. I, I enjoy the show all the time. So keep up the good work. Good on Cheers, you. Cheers, mate. Speak to you again. Thanks, boys. Tough.
So that's a, um, a amazing that uh, Jack. I don't know if you saw that. It's, it's currently got fifty one thousand likes. His his post. It, it blows my mind. Look, that in itself is incredible. But I cannot believe <laughs> that a national coach called up a punter uh, and had a half hour discussion with yeah, him half about hour chat. That's how good is that? I mean, come on, how good is that? Like all let's you know all the the woes of the weekend aside, you know just the fact that. You know, Michael Checkers, you know, not only having a chat, having a chat for half an hour and and revealing team secrets. <laughs> yeah. And then asking the bloke <laughs> to keep his number. I mean, how, <laughs> would you would you ever call Michael Checker again? I mean, God, I, I did take... I don't know if I would. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious, isn't it? That's incredible. You'd, 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 have to, you'd have to save it under Just a false. Yeah. You'd have to save it under another name because I, I worry that your mates, my mates at the footy club, would get a hold Drunk of my phone files. at some point. Do you reckon Checker's <laughs> got a series of? Check has got a bunch of burners there, though. He probably just calls people up and just yeah, he just call me, give me a call back, smashes it, chucks it to the harbour. Just check it in. Just check it in from a weekly chat there, Check. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you could give me your report, I'll let you start, Check. Uh, give me your report and how you think they've done and what you're going to work on. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, all right, mate. Well, let's get on to that. And this may be the answer to question two. So the, the question two is basically uh, the Scottish game. Were there any positives to take from it? Uh, let's start with you, Hugh. Well, I said on Twitter actually uh, yesterday that in a weird way, the positive was that the you know the, the reaction shows that and, and the response to, to Jack's post and, and other things and the response at the ground um, just shows you at least that yeah. sort of people people still care, you know. And I, and I think there's in a sick weird way that that's something that we can take out of it as as you know that I think the the worst case scenario for for Australian rugby after a game like that would be apathy, would be people to shrug their shoulders and and go, oh well, you know. Next, what's next, you know, and, and just sort of go on with their lives. And actually, you know, there was, there was a real feeling at the ground, even in the last five minutes, the crowd were really in that game and there was a lot of gold on display and it was, you know, it's what made it on the one cent, on the one hand, all the more tragic that they couldn't get up and do the job. Um, but on the other hand, you know, that it was, it was a pretty visceral sort of reaction. So yeah, look, I, I, I don't know. Look, I think in the, in the cold light of day, we can we can go away and look at actually on the on the field that it was a pretty good game and and we had some good moments and and you know we gave up fourteen absolutely softest of soft points yep. and still probably should have won that game. You know, so I don't know. It, 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 it's grasping at straws, it really is. But I mean, we 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 were all there, guys. I mean, it was it was pretty shit ass though. Let's face it. Yeah, it was, but I want to go off your point there, and I'm going to give some kudos to the ARU for this. And you know, Arvo Rugby um, at the SFS or whatever it's called now, and it's you know I was down there as we said in Sydney, but it's 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 been I don't know the last time I've been to an Arvo game at the SFS, it's probably 20 years, and it, it, it's great. So great decision by them to put these three games in uh, in afternoon rugby, and uh, you know to, to any Sydney fans who who boycotted, who didn't want to make the effort because of what's going on in Australian rugby, I reckon you missed out and. Sure, the Scots won, but, you know, there was something pretty cool about that experience of, and maybe just because I'm a big out-of-towner from Brizzo, but, you know, there's a great tradition, and the fact that we're playing Scotland, you know, one of these great traditional teams, and, you know, we play New Zealand and South Africa all the time, and it's, it's feeling a little bit blase, I hate to say, but... Scotland, we've got this great history with and, and you know, brings back these great memories and great names of John Jeffries and Gavin Hastings of the past and all that sort of stuff. So it was great to see it. I love the whole, you know, and when, um, uh, you know, the anthems went on, uh, you know, it was great. You know, I think most of us sang both anthems uh, in that game, which is, which was very cool. And like you say, the last 10, uh, 5, 10 minutes, it was really quite loud and, and, and a lot of people getting very passionate. So, you know, from that perspective, I, I thought it was fantastic. The game, uh, I don't know. What about you, Matt? Could you see anything from the game at all? Or? Yeah, I, yeah, just kind of trying to wade through my memory for it. Yeah. <laughs> But it's but it's starting to come back. I mean, look as you say, the the occasion was great. Um, you know, uh, de- definitely no problem getting a seat, uh, which <laughs> is a bit of a worry. But that's the only thing that I'll pick. I'll take issue with their hue is that, you know, yes, there are people who still care, but they're rapidly dwindling. Um, uh, ever get the final uh, sort of uh, attendant? Thirty odd um, thousand. Was it okay? Um, but you know, there was still plenty of seats around that stadium. 
Um, that's for sure. And, uh, uh, but, and then, you know, like on one hand, I'm kind of wowed that there's 50,000 likes of that, uh, from Jack, but actually, you know, in terms of out of how many people, um, that you would hope might be interested in Australia, you might hope that might be even a few more. But, um, I do worry about that. I do worry about how many kind of kicks in the nuts Australian rugby public can take and still turn up to these sorts of things. But I guess we'll have a look in Brizzy, um, this week. Uh, don't um, don't compare it with Brizzy, mate. The, the numbers will be less. It, it'll be if we get over twenty thousand, I'd be shocked. So don't yeah. don't hope for anything special up here. Oh, and, and exactly, it's certainly no card, that's for sure. Um, so um, look, coming out of the game, um, you know, I, I don't know a few things like the the lineout. Generally speaking, seems you know seems to be working a little bit better, and I like the scrum wasn't a complete disaster. At least that those sorts of things. But then there's just those I don't know. Just you know, how do we always end up against a Scotland um, shipping a couple of tries like that? Like I'd I'd like to be able to write the, write those two tries off as um no just you know a, a, a weird quirk. But they're not. They keep happening in these sorts of games. So, you know, what is it about our play, our mentality, our attention to detail that means that, you know, every time we look to do a box kick, it's a complete Russian roulette. Whereas, and we were commenting on this when we were watching it, wasn't we? Weren't we? How, you know, you then watch when the Scott, uh, you know, whatever the second or third string halfback, you know, looks to do a, a box kick from the base of the scrum and it's like he could do them. It's like he's got seconds to spare. Um, and you know we're getting ours charged down, and they're going all over the place. Um, and it wasn't just this game; it was the one before as well. So you know, there are things that really kind of worry me. I mean, it's good to see Izzy in form. Um, mm. That was great. The guy was it the first time ever he's you know had back-to-back braces um, yep. of tries. So you know that was really good. Um, I feel like the guys sort of they do know the attacking pattern, and they've kind of they've kind of got that working. I think. Um, so you know that that's quite good, but um, yeah, I don't know. Just couldn't bring it together, and uh, it's still a little bit worrying how easily the Scots scored that third try. Um, you know, sort of cutting up our defence. Um, and the, and the thing that still bamboozles, bamboozles me, absolutely bamboozles me, is our inability to kick chase. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you just you don't need to be incredibly skillful to do that, do you? And you know, you, you remember the the spring box when they did it um and they still do it obviously but you know those those jake white teams when you had brian habana and you know he basically made a career out of it you know um incredible kick chase who is it in our team there isn't anyone um and the the number of times we're just i don't know it's just it's it's we kick like we think that's a weapon we're going to use the waratahs in 2014 used to use it as a turnover weapon um this wallaby team doesn't i i don't get it i i I don't understand what's happening in uh, training or in discussion. If you're going to say, okay, we're going to use, you know, a, high, a theoretically contestable kick, because um, you're not for distance. It's kind of landing on the halfway line or something, it's a, or, it's a, or it's a box kick. Um, and yet there's no discernible chase. I, I don't understand what's happening. And I guess that was one of the things noticeable. I know, Hugh, you mentioned it as part of the, even noticing it from, or maybe it was Psychopath mentioned it as part of the warm-up, was the intensity. There didn't seem to be test match intensity by the Wallabies in this game. In saying that, I guess the first 26 were pretty, 20 seconds were pretty in, you know, fiery with uh, Adam Coleman. But, you know, the, the Scots found some space downside and Coleman put in a big hit and there's a bit of argy-bargy. But there wasn't, there isn't that intensity. And I guess... I know I've said this in the past. We don't see that from the Wallabies. It's just, it's like they're, just, they're, you know, they're just playing a game of rugby without sort of. It's not a test match to them, and, and that's. I guess that goes back to what Jack was saying. It's, it's, it's a little bit of that concern about where that. It's not, you know, if you don't want to call it passion, fine, but where is that real desire to to chase those kicks, like you say, Matt, and or get up and make those repeat efforts? Because it's, it's, it's not obvious and and i think it was cyclopath saying you can see it from the uh from the warm-up when we're sort of doing jogging through some uncontested warm-ups when the scots were doing almost semi-opposed you know quite high intensity warm-up it was it was obvious from very early on and, and continued all game but mate you did touch on a real positive there which is adam coleman yeah um, i'm glad you brought him up yeah 
I mean, that's wow. How, that guy's gone from being a, you know, just nosing his way into the test team last year. Was he there? He was still a bit of an experiment. Seemed to have a couple of good games, but was giving away yellow cards all over the place. You know, was he going to make it or was he a flash in the pan? And, um, yeah, this, this season, he's just, he's like one of the best players on the field and does it for 80 minutes. Unbelievable. Mate, yeah, I, I think I said it. Yeah, go on, you, sorry. He's fantastic, isn't, isn't he, isn't he, Matt? But, I mean, we just need a few more like him. And, and you know, Ned Hannigan, I don't know, He he's good. You know, he puts in a lot of effort, but does does he get the result? I'm not sure. Um, uh, Higgers was, was subbed pretty early, and, and Richard Hardwick probably didn't have the same impact as last week. I mean, you know, the scrum was probably our one positive. It held up really well. And, and, and so, I don't know. I don't know where you look in terms of players. My one was... Yeah, and the the part of the the Jack's rant on Facebook that resonated with me was was just the basic skills. You know, just the the amount of times that that the lineout didn't work, that or that uh, balls were dropped or passes that were thrown badly. You know, it's not it's not even the ones yeah. that are the real clangers. And yet, look, Tavita Kurandrani threw only that touch that was horrible, and Will Genny as one led to an intercept. But it's more the amount of times that a ball is is not passed in front of the man; it's passed either on his hip or behind him. And that's the type of stuff that, whilst not, you know, it's not a, something that makes you bang your head against the table, it, it is just stifles momentum. And, and, and it's the type of stuff that good rugby teams just don't do. And it's the little one percenters that, uh, that impact on performance. So, look, that, that's, that's, that was a really disappointing aspect uh, for me was, was, was that basic element of it. And that's the one that I think has resonated with a lot of people that I knew that were at the ground. It was just that... What what was our downfall in the end was the stuff that was really the simple things. It wasn't the complex X's and O's and the, the fancy moves that we were doing. It was just the fact that we didn't actually pass the ball to the man and the man didn't catch the ball. Yeah, running lines, all those sorts of things. Yeah, really relevant. Um, well, let's move on from the Scots, guys, because um, we want to have a look. And this might be a pretty short question, but... Question three, and, and Hugh, you came up with this, but we'll start with Matt on this one. Give me one reason to care about this Italy game this weekend. Can't. Yeah, I can't, to be honest. I but, can't. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a, a better chance to win. It's a it's a weakened Italy team, but uh, even a win is probably not enough. Hugh? I think the reason to care, the reason to watch is is this is the week. You know, like if you feel like this is a, the, we need to put 50 on Italy. It's, it's, you know, we need to, Statement and, and you've got to think with Jack's Facebook post up on the wall, um, all yep. week <laughs> and then being absolutely roasted about lack of skill and lack of commitment. I mean, if they don't come out firing this week, well, the whole thing's over, isn't it? I mean, mm. if, if they can't come out and put forward a, a, you know, a performance, well, I don't necessarily need it to be Harlem Globetrotter stuff, but if it, I just want commitment. No. And if we can put Clinical. in a good 80 yep. minute effort, then, you know, we should win by a good margin. And then I feel like that, that, that is something. I don't know if it will absolve, uh, sorry, ab- absolve what happened on the weekend, but certainly, um, it'll go a long way to, to helping Wallabies fans on, in their recovery. So that, I think that's the reason to care. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a that's a good point. It, it is a it's a pretty and it's only Italy, but it's a pretty make or break game in terms of what intent we see out of that. So otherwise, check his phone bill next week is going to be massive. All the fans, <laughs> angry fans, he's going to have to call. That's Jack's next that's... Facebook post. He's just posting Michael Checker's number. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, here we are back to this. I mean, it's, it's pretty extraordinary, that thing from Checker, which is they're just not fit enough. And yeah. so, you know, if, if Checker and those guys are doing the rounds, and here's the thing, these days it's not like just a, a rule of thumb, are they fitness? I mean, everyone's got, you know, GPS trackers and da-da-da-da yeah. and plans out the wazoo and everything else. How is it possible that, you know, it's that they're, they're just not fit enough because they should have been, surely they've been, been tracked throughout this the whole season. Mm. Um, I mean, you don't think the All Blacks are doing that? Um, yeah. I, I, I just And meanwhile, all of our teams are getting an absolute pasting. And if, you know, you, you can't necessarily go back and make all these players different players, but you can make them fit. And mm. if, That's if the we're one not thing even, you can control, yeah. I mean, God, if you're not even doing that. I mean, and, and, and we know that was part of the Checker formula back in 2014. 
that was so clear. Remember the whole running up Kuji steps, you know, brand new, um, you know, training fitness regime. So if we've managed to forget that in the space of what one or two years, I'm just absolutely gobsmacked and says just shows just how far from professional any of these franchises are. So they, they can tell them what they want and they can say to me, Oh, you're just some schmo who'd write something on Facebook. You're not a professional. Well, you guys tell me how you got there. Tell me how you got to the national coach saying, I've got a bunch of mugs who aren't fit, let alone the stuff that he told Jack that Jack can't tell us. Um, you know, and you, and we all shake our head and wonder and just say, Oh, it's just that New Zealand's moved away. You, you only have to watch them to know that they haven't forgotten how important fitness is and they all, and they all are. Um, so uh, I, I, that to me is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. It was, um, Czech obviously had the, uh, all the super rugby coaches in camp last week in Sydney. Uh, it'd be interesting to know whether that, that was put on the line to him in terms of how, how poor the fitness was and, and, uh, what he needs from them because, um, I guess, you know, we've got three weeks other than the Brumbies. No one's got a whole lot to play for. Maybe it's time just to get them on the training pad, at, uh, you know, going nuts for, for the next month to get us ready for the rugby championship. Well, that'll be yeah, really we'll interesting not... quickly, Reg, because I just did have that thought of, well, God, if we can't get them fit now, uh, now then we're never going to. Um, you know, that's something you do in pre-season. But is there a chance that given that all of the other Australian Super Rugby teams are cactus other than the Brumbies, do we start to pull these blokes out the Wallaby guys, give them a, you know, let's, let's put them in two weeks in camp just running up sand hills and hope, hope that then they can have time to recover by the time the first Bledisloe comes around. Mm. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. you only have to look, like anyone watching the Rebels, right, this season would know that, you know, they come out with a bit of bluster and then always fall apart in the second half and it just goes to crap because they're clearly not fit, let alone that, you know, every single decent player they've got is injured. Um, because mm, their SPD yeah. program is clearly wrong. So, and yet, you know, what about that article on the site this week? Just, you know, tracking just how much money's gone down the toilet with that club. I mean, mm. you know, that, that, that should make you angry. Um, oh, that's huge. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, and, the, and, and, yeah, he continues the Reds losing, you know, I think leading so many games at three quarter time and then, and losing on to, um, uh, the last 20 minutes losing games and, and they've had issues with their strength and conditioning. Damien Marsh has moved on sort of mid-season. I think Brad Thorne's taken over now for the time being. So things aren't happening right there as well. So it's uh, it's epidemic across um, Australian rugby. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to question four, burning question number four. Um, and you can't say we are not suckers for punishment here. We, uh, we're once again, after a loss, we're calling in one of our egg chaser friends. And JB's joining us on the line. JB, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thanks, gents. How are you? Uh, yeah, we, we've been better. We've been better. <laughs> but, um, you know, at least it's just another week of rugby we can talk about. Boys, what's, what's going on? I mean, do you know what? The easiest thing in the world for me to do now would be to gloat. But, um... Australian rugby is not in a good place, and you kind of need that, you know, southern hemisphere yin to the northern hemisphere yang. It, it's actually quite worrying. We're, we're, we're actually, we're not too pleased over here. We're actually a little concerned for you. Yeah, yeah, look, we're concerned ourselves, and it's not an easy answer, JB, and we've been trying to get to the bottom of it for a few months now, and it's it's one of those things where I don't think anything's really noticeably changed. I don't think, you know, it's not to do anything to do with Checkers coaching. I don't think it's anything necessarily to do with Pulver's role as CEO. I think it's a combination of things and, and structures in the game, probably starting at the bottom of the game up, uh, a lack of attention there. And it's it's just all culminating at the moment. And we've had, you know, a, a bad couple of years that, uh, and, you know, questions are now being raised. Was the World Cup just, a, a you know, a, a positive little blip that put us in a, a bit of a false sense of security? I don't know. It's all, it's all pretty worrying. What does it look like yeah, well, from the other side? Oh, it's, it's hard to say. Do you know what? I'm just hoping it's just you know, one of those cycles. Some, uh, sometimes you get a golden generation. Sometimes the cupboard's a bit bare, and hopefully you'll just pull it round. But uh, at the moment, it's, it's hard to say because even your good players don't look particularly good. It's very, very tricky. Mm. Yeah, there it, it doesn't seem to be an, an easy answer at the moment, mate. But um, 
Let's, let's, let's move this on to the Lions. Like this tour. I mean, I think you had pretty sparse uh, hopes for this, but it's um, coming good, isn't it? Well, it's the, it's interesting. It's so so it's so difficult to say, okay? Because yeah, you're right. I actually thought we're down five nil to the provincial teams. Maybe they'd pick up a win against a weakened uh, a weakened Hurricanes in between the tests. But uh, so far, it's going pretty well, and it's going pretty well considering that the Lions have no real form up form of attacking game whatsoever. So yeah, um, so far so good. I mean, I'm wondering if Gatlin's trying to redesign the game around a strategy of simply no attack and, and all defence and set piece. Which, if it works, I'm happy for it. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, we down here, and I guess sort of backed up by seeing Ireland win last year. We thought that was the way to do it. You got to score. Yeah, the All Blacks got to score points. You got to score more against them and, and, and keep scoring uh, more and more points. But it's not as if the Lions are necessarily doing that. I mean, in saying that, they've put thirty odd points against their last two opponents. So you're now sitting up with just the two losses on tour, um, you know, yeah. and both by less than a try. So you know, six points to the Blues and uh, just the one point loss to the Highlanders there, and we've got, now got back to back thirty point wins. The Chiefs tonight and the the Maoris on the weekend, you've got to feel some level of confidence. Do you think uh, Gatland and his crew know what their best team is now for the weekend? Oh, I'm pretty sure it's nailed on, you know. I think from the pack to maybe as far out as the as the outside centre, they've got a pretty clear view. I think where the problem's going to lie here is probably on the wing. Um, George North looks set to start. I don't know what he's done to deserve to start, but that's how it, that, that's how it looks. Now, today's game does raise some issues, of course, because Liam Williams played very well. Jack Noll played very well. And I just wonder mm. if Gatlin's picking this team now or picking on his physical capabilities and his physical potential and just hoping that when the tests come, he finally starts to fulfil that undoubted potential that, that he has. Yeah, sort of like yeah. a big game player. Big, big player for a big game type thing. Yeah, but you know we've not seen it. we've seen it for about three minutes against Scotland, I think, and that is about it. So um, I'm not entirely sure if George North is the way forward. In fairness, Scotland are a pretty damn good team, JB. They've it's got tasty. some big performers there. Yeah, do you know what? It's um, <laughs> Scotland. They uh, <laughs> they are they, they're basically just a mixture of two teams, coached by the coach who was very successful at Glasgow Warriors. So. Uh, yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty good, but uh, I don't think they're going to do of, all that much compensations. That's a bit of the Ben Darwin theory, which we're, we're both very fond of these days, I'm sure. Um, oh. Jack Now's Jack Now's an interesting one you talk about. He's he's that sort of he's a real hard worker as a winger out there. He, he's the type of player I reckon that would thrive against the All Blacks. You need you need those guys, the little one percenters who, who are who are always doing those little things uh, against the All Blacks, and he's he's one that seems pretty busy out there. Yeah, do you know, I've got a theory about Jack Knoll, um, and actually quite a lot of the wingers, which is he is exactly the sort of guy that Gatlin shouldn't be taking, because because he's so busy. So, from what I can tell, and look, I'm no, um, uh, I'm no Gatlin expert, in fact, no one is, because the guy seems so, um, he seems so unpredictable in almost everything he does, other than, you know, other than his style of play. Um, I think Knoll would be ideal, because... He will chase down the ball. He will he will chase down box kicks. He's continually busy. I think that's absolutely perfect. And you don't see that with the likes of George North going back going back to him. Jack Noll, I think, would be an ideal pick. I think Noll paired with maybe Williams is is their best two wingers. Yeah, well, yeah. Williams tore them so apart mate, last year, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, sorry, gents. Say that again. It's breaking up a bit. Oh, that's all right, Matt. You go on. Ask a question, mate. Well, I was just going to say, mate. So um, that's that's the wingers. Uh, who do you think's core to this? So you know, who would be the the two players that the Lions couldn't lose between now and the weekend? Who do you think are absolutely core to Gatlin's plan? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, Toby Falatel. We can't lose Toby Falatel because the options are eight, pretty much non-existent. You've got CJ Stander, who is a fine player, good workhorse, and carries the ball well. 
but he doesn't have that extra bit of quality that Falatau has. And after oh. CJ Stander, I have no idea who would play it. Maybe Sean O'Brien. It was allegedly going to be Moriarty. He's now gone home from the tour. So they'd have to call someone else up. But I'm not entirely sure in the whole of the, whole of the British Isles who the next guy would be. Maybe, maybe he's left. I, I don't even know if he's healthy at the moment. Mm. So, um, yeah, Falatau is absolutely critical to anything and everything that the Lions do. Uh, the second guy, hmm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's going to be Johnny Sexton. Farrell's carrying an injury, and I think Sexton is going to start at 10 anyway. If he goes down, it just means that they're a little bit thin in, in, in that key position. I also think there's a good chance we'll see Farrell move, moving out to 12. So I think between Sexton and Falatau, yeah, those would be the two key guys that they just simply can't lose. Oh, mm. and Mako. Don't forget Mako. Mako Vinopola. Sorry, I thought he's uh, Mauro. So, yeah, so um, uh, Mako, you're saying there, mate. Oh, Mako, definitely. I mean, his skills are so so rare for for a loose head prop. He's intensely busy. I think last, last game he played against uh, the Mari, he was top tackler. I mean, the guy really is an exceptional talent. All right. Now, mate, the other thing I've seen a lot of in headlines, but I couldn't be bothered to actually read the articles, so I was wondering if you could give me the update, is mind games. Everyone seems oh, to be wanting to talk about who's winning the mind games. Is there mind games? If there are, who's winning them? What's, what's going on? All oh, right. Well, okay. So when you, when you said about things you can't be bothered reading, I thought you were going to naturally gravitate towards these uh, call-ups, but we can come up but we can come to that later because I've got some very strong views on that. Mind games, though. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't believe this. Steve Hansen. I mean, the guy is held up as some paragon of rugby virtue, yet he never fails to disappoint himself and the wider rugby community with his, with his antics. Uh, yeah. let's, just, let's just revisit this. I mean, it's quite clear that Gatland and uh, and Hansen hate each other. I mean, I don't know where this an- animosity has come from, but it's quite clear. I think Steve Hansen reckons Gatlin wants his job, uh, and I'm pretty sure Gatlin definitely wants his job. Um, <laughs> I, I don't... See, I mean, you must be sick of the back, to the back teeth of, um, of Hansen. Every, every time, he just can't help himself. And effectively, the guy has never been a head coach of anyone, of any substance, outside of Wales, where he, where he failed to be a single tier one nation. He's, he's hung on to Graham Henry for his entire career, finally makes it, and he inherits the best squad the world has ever seen. And he carries on like he is responsible for all of this. Well, uh, you know, as far as mind games are concerned, I'm not entirely, too, entirely sure what's going on, but uh, I would like to finally see uh, Hanson write a cheque that his team can't cash. That would, that would be the dream. Yeah, but I mean, have you even have you even read up on what they're supposed to have said to each other? Is have you, have you got any across that? Do I actually no, have to read no. it to myself? Oh, read it, please. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll All right. Do that resource, JP. Well, mate, while you're on a roll there, tell us about yeah. these. Uh, how was it? Was there four unknown Welshmen picked up to the uh, Lions team to to basically sit on the bench and carry tackle bags? Yeah, I mean, let's face it. If I was closer geographically, I would have been called up, but I wasn't. So that's a shame. Um, well, the situation here, I mean, you, you've got all sorts of people uh, crying and bawling, virtue signaling to, to, to each other. They just can't help it. And they're talking about degrading the jersey and, you know, all, all this other stuff. This kind of talks back to the last time that they're in New Zealand and they talk a huge squad. And when you say a huge squad, what you can't do in the early kind of test window and the early times when you're trying to compete, is have too many players, having too much contact, uh, or too little contact time with all the coaches. The players have got to be relatively focused, relatively condensed, and they've got to compete. So you can't have this massive, wide, massive wider squad. As the squad develops, then you're going to need bodies to sit on the bench. The lads that have called up are not, uh, and I repeat, they are not te- in, in test consideration. They are literally mm. there just to help out. So interestingly, uh, you probably saw a slide on the weekend, uh, the Hooker Brown, for Scotland, uh, he actually yep. turned down the Lions because it's very clear. You you um, you show up, you sit on the bench, and then you go home. So um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, crocodile tears uh, um, over here 
about these call-ups, but the fact of the matter is they don't really matter. Um, and, you know, they've, they've been told ex- exactly what what the crack is. I expect them to fly back after the Hurricanes game. Oh, and one, one more thing about that. Yep. I can't for life understand, let me understand why people are calling up or calling for launch week to join or people who are actually going to be in test consideration because they'd have to miss their, miss their national test, fly all the way across the world, sit on a bench, get back on the plane and go home. So, uh, yeah, these, the, the whole call-up thing is a bit of a farce. And you've got to remember, Gatlin knows best. He's actually won a tour, unlike many of his predecessors. So uh, whatever Gatlin says, as far as I'm concerned, it goes. It's the right call. Gatlin, Gatlin goes. Mate, uh, all right, well, let's give us uh, – how are you feeling about this week? Can you reckon the Alliance can get up over the All Blacks? You know what? I've, I'm starting to think they can, you know. So I've been thinking about this long and hard. And I've gone from a place from 3-0 – with some, you know, thirty-point drubbings, um, to a place where I think this is possible. I mean, I'd be interested to know your view because you you see these players a lot more than I do. But I'm not sure they can they can beat the Lions on the game line. I'm not sure they've got, you know, the sort of muscular players that you'd need to break down the break down this defence. I'm also not entirely sure they're going to be that good that good in the set piece. There's one thing for the Lions which has been superb so far has been the lineouts. And also the scrum's pretty handy too. So the Lions need to score points, but I don't think they can they can go. I don't think they all go scoring points the way you traditionally do it with lovely Southern Hemisphere open flowing rugby. They'll do it by squeezing the life out of the All Blacks, kicking it in the corners, driving over, or kick chasing turnover, which I think is you know a pretty good strategy. But uh, yeah, I'd be interested. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm flip flopping a bit. Are the game line battle or are they gonna? Yeah, JB, I'm with you. I think the Lions are a good bet this weekend, mate. I, I, I guess I started the tour. I thought this would be the test they could win, were most likely to win, particularly because it's the All Blacks. I know they played Samoa last week and looked pretty sensational, but that, that wasn't their test combination. It. Yeah, exactly. I, I think they'll be under the pump big time this week. A lot of expectation. It's a huge pressure game. I, I think the Lions are, are walking into this in a pretty good state in saying that, God, we underestimate New Zealand rugby sometimes, and sometimes I, th- I think we do it more out of hope than actual uh, any sort of intelligence there. I think they're a superb team. It's going to take some... You know, we haven't seen many guys really step up. I guess some of these guys, you talk about Marco and uh, Felatau in particular, step up of late, but they're going to need 15 world-class performances across the pitch um, to match these All Blacks to, to get across the line on the weekend. Matt, what's your feeling? Yeah, yeah we well, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go on. Oh, mate. So, yeah, I was going to say, look, I think, you know, Gat's got exactly the right idea, um, assuming he's going to keep going down the route he's going down, which is just try and grind it out. And if you can get that first, if you can win that first test by one point, you know, well, geez, what does that do to the whole series, right? Um, I think it's completely the right way to go. I think the game against the Maori on the weekend, um, even though I think we were probably in our eighth hour of drinking by then, um, <laughs> what, what, what I can what I can remember of it um, was that um, it was exactly the same thing. You know, literally boxed them in their own sort of uh, between the twenty-two and the forty-yard line, and just kept driving through them and just kept turning them around. And you could see the Kiwis just were like had had no answer and didn't have the firepower to punch out. So I think it's the right. Tactic. I think if I was, you know, if I was forced to bet, um, then I probably th- think though that the thing that will be the tipping point is whether, you know, is, is some, you know, probably like a Sunny Bill offload um, is mm. the sort yeah. of thing that, that might just break that game open and just take it away from um, a, you know, a dour kick fest, which I think the Lions would win. So, and probabilities, I'd say that, but I think the Lions have got a good chance. Yeah, it's so tough, isn't it? it, it I mean. It really is. I think if they can keep the All Blacks quiet for like the first half an hour, they're in with a massive shot. If the All Blacks, like you say, a Sony Bill offload or some you know mesmeric counter counter attack, if that happens within the first ten minutes, we're in for a long, long game of rugby. But I think if you can keep them quiet and they start to panic, I mean, I can quite easily see the Lions uh, approaching seventy minutes uh, one point ahead, and then one of the All Blacks. Ordi Surveyor sounds like the sort of guy who would do this. Just giving away a stupid penalty, Lions win four, um, by four points. So that's sort of way that I see it going. Well, look, yeah. I'm glad, JB, that that can maybe help you sleep at night, but I think the All Bucks are going to win by 30. 
Um, the, you know, <laughs> wow. they, they they get up for the big games, and I think they'll be lying in. They've been, you know, they'll come. They're going to come out with everything. Um, and yeah, I think you're right, but I think we just underestimate New Zealand rugby a, a little bit sometimes. And I think it's 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 good, and you see the Lions chalking up some wins now against, you know, frankly second string Super Rugby sides. Um, I think you, that's uh, that's uh, I think that the likely outcome for mine is a is a is a pretty um, a heavy All Black win, which might look close at halftime, but they'll go away with it in the second half. Can I just follow something to you guys? And I, again, it's one of those things which I, I, you know, someone is going to listen to this conversation and say, JB has no idea what he's talking about. And they're probably right. But I'd, I'd, I'd like to know where you, stand, where, where you stand on this. If the All Blacks came over and toured uh, the, uh, the British Isles, in particular England, and played club teams, what they'd find is lots of club teams playing different ways for their own club. And when you go over to, to New Zealand, this is what I don't really know. Are all of the franchises basically trying to play in this New Zealand way to create a pathway to the All Blacks? Because if they are, so far, I've not been particularly impressed with any of the style of play. And I've not really seen much of these vaunted skills either. I'm just wondering, like, are they a good reflection of what the All Blacks would be like if they weren't such good players, if that makes sense? Well, I, I think what you might be saying, actually, to be that... Um is uh, you're obviously caught in a wind tunnel there, mate. But um, oh, sorry, you, you, it's all right. <laughs> is is what you might see. I think what you're seeing is you guys putting them under pressure. I think it's a lot harder um, to put these silky skills into play when you're not getting over the gain line and people are shutting you down and and keeping you under pressure. I just you know, which is which is going to be the fascinating battle is just whether you guys can keep that pressure on them. Um, I think at the moment, you know, when those teams play, you know, Australian teams, for example, as we watch, they're not under that pressure, and it's very easy, you know, to get confidence and play. And I remember, you know, you and Mackenzie, um, you know, when he was, you know, coaching both the Reds and the Waratahs, and you know, even Australia for that brief bit, what he was excellent at was just was. Adapting his way of playing to non to not suit those Kiwi teams, and he used to regularly like you know, the Waratahs had the wood on the Chiefs for years because we just wouldn't let them play the way they wanted to play, um, and you know just by playing a far more tactical game, we, we completely have given that up under Checker. We only play one way, and everyone knows which way it is, and actually they turn the tables. More pace, on us. more pace, more pace. Exactly, and 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 like you know, for a Scotland, that's brilliant. They'll they'll play into that all day, and you see what happens. So, um, yeah, I think what you might be watching is actually, you know, what you see is like you know these skills not quite working. Well, they seem to work against us, but you guys putting them under pressure, not so much. I hope so. I really, really hope so. Mm. Right, Jamie, uh, we've got to let you go, but mate, how are you coping? Well, I was surprised we had time to get you on the podcast tonight because you egg chasers seem to be dropping a new, new podcast every couple of hours. Oh, we never stop. We are absolutely relentless. Uh, and if you're not on to egg chasers, make sure you make sure you get onto Rugby Dungeon, which is my other podcast. And before yes. I go, lads, can I just give you guys um, a huge thank you for putting me in touch with a certain Ben Darwin. If anyone's listening and hasn't heard your original interview with Ben Darwin, I recommend you go back and download it. That guy, that guy's quite something. Yeah, he was yeah, brilliant, he wasn't he? Yeah, uh, a, a, a complete mastermind of rugby. Indeed he is. All right, JB, we'll let you go, mate. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight, and, and best luck to the uh, to the Lions uh, this weekend. We hope you uh, listen to the Egg Chasers and it's a, a celebratory podcast come, uh, come the weekend. Uh, uh, fingers, fingers crossed, eh? Take care, boys. See you, mate. Thanks, mate. All right, well, thanks to JB for joining us there. It was uh, great to have him on the show. As per usual, Matt, uh, before we finish up the podcast with question five, you've got a, a, a bit of a review or something? Yeah, mate. Look, always love getting a, a good review through. This one is from The Blind Swordsman. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, uh, what he's called his review that not my elitist West Coast, Coast dog's favourite. What the hell? Um, <laughs> my usual companions on one of my weekday morning walks. She thinks you're a bunch of East Coast elitists, but that's why she doesn't get the headphones. For me, it's like having a couple of scoops after the game without having to find a pub to drink them in. Keep up the good work, lads. Five out of five stars. Very nice. Very nice. Thanks for well, that. Most convoluted name. <laughs> um, 
All right, we're going to move into question five. But Mark, we're going to farewell you. You've uh, we've uh, reached our quota of guests for the night, um, and uh, it's under twenties. And we know if it's not the Wallabies, you're not watching. <laughs> if it is the Wallabies, I struggle. You're barely watching. <laughs> All right, mate. We'll catch you next week. Night, lads. See ya. All right, Hugo, you and I, mate, the under-20s uh, just wrapped up in the, the World Junior Championships and the Aussies, uh, I think, finished sixth in the end, losing, as the men did, uh, 24-17 to the Scottish in their last game. How do you rate that uh, campaign um, by the uh, the Junior Wallabies? Oh, look, it, it's uh, you'd be hard to be too, um, too glowing about it, but that said... They only just lost to England, to, and that would have got them, seen them into the semi-finals. And the margins are pretty fine in these sort of tournaments. It's not the full quarters and, and semis and, and those sort of things. It, it so they were relegated down, and they ended up in the fifth, sixth playoff. And they lost to Scotland. And look, I'm, I'm not. It, it was a, a bit of a nothing sort of game in the end, um, in the sense that they weren't really playing for much. And and so in the last few minutes, when Scotland had us pinned in our own 22, instead of sort of doing the conservative thing when the scores were tied and, and, and playing for territory and kicking the ball out and trying to run down the clock. We in, we instead sort of uh, threw caution to the wind and, and ran the ball off our own try line, which, you know, is, is, is pretty ill-advised any other time. But, you know, in a fifth v sixth playoff, you, you really, again, you don't have much to lose. So in the end, it ended up biting us and we turned the ball over and Scotland scored. Um, the winning try. So look, it was disappointing in that in that element. And Scotland were probably the better team anyway. But look, the, the under twenty tournament, it's it, it it's so hard because the squads come together at the last minute for us, and you've, we've just got to sort of patch the team together. And and look, I, I think there were some really talented players that we unearthed. I certainly um, certainly liked our hooker. Um, I think his name's Jordan Ulysse. Um, yeah, I, I, Isaiah Parisi. Um, uh, mm. To continue with a the rhyming theme, Sham Vui, who's um, <laughs> plays his rugby in club rugby in, in Brisbane, but uh, is connected with the force. He's, he's a great yep. up and coming talent as well in the front row. Um, and 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 I thought the halves looked pretty good too. Um, McGregor uh, thought had a, had a pretty good um, a pretty good sort of showing as well. So look, it, it's um, it, it's interesting. I, I think there's there was some good signs for the future there, Reg, but. Um, Certainly, um, considering New Zealand beat England in the final by 50 points. Um, Isn't that I think, incredible? Uh, <laughs> I think that's probably the, the, the biggest scary takeaway for Australian rugby fans, sadly. Yeah, 64-17, uh, the Kiwis won the final against a, an England team as part of a system that we've been raving about for a little while. The uh, Kiwis have got this little nugget of a hooker who scored a hat-trick in the final. Um, has been smashing them all tournament. So amazing. But, yeah, back to the Aussies. Look, I think it's probably the best performance we've had for a while. I, I don't know if it matches up in terms of where we finished, but I think it was probably our best performance across uh, in this tournament. Interesting. I'm sure that we're going to see changes to how this team prepares. Um, Maybe whether it's an extend, extended national under-20s championship. Michael Checker, in an interview this last couple of days, actually indicated they're going to throw more money at the 20s campaign. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him playing more even just club, and I think I'd mentioned previously, Hamish Stewart hasn't actually played much rugby of late. Um, as a combination, they haven't played together. You know, Parisi and, and uh, who was our inside centre from the from the Melbourne as well? They oh, yeah, joined late. Yeah, Pelotu, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the sevens guys came in late, so it was all all a bit mishmash there, and you could see those combinations not quite working for us. Look, I was, I was uh, you know, the back row really surprised me. Liam Wright. Um, who I've heard some, I've heard is, is an absolute student of the game, does all the hard work off the field, just those little one percenters, and it's it's great to see. I thought he was fantastic in this tournament. Reese Hewitt, who's had a, a massive injury um, setback last year, I thought was fantastic. And then Angus Scott Young, son of Sam, son of Sam, uh, was excellent as well. So really exciting back row for the Aussies and. And probably even more excited that they're all Queensland players as well. So, um, yeah, look, it was, I'd say it's a fail. You can't give it more, you know, a sixth place, anything more than a fail, but, uh, you know, there, there's still a little bit of promise out of it. Um, we're going to wrap up, I guess, news. You know, the EGM was this afternoon here, but there's not much we can really say out of it, can we? You know, that there's no change. They're moving ahead with four teams and, and not much more. And Bill Pulver's job's safe. Not that I think that was ever in doubt from this meeting, but there's not much really to go into there at this stage, is there? 
Oh, I don't think so. I think it was it was not particularly surprising that that uh, nothing came out of that, and I think um, we'll just keep sailing on into oblivion, uh, which is probably yeah, really, yeah, yeah. This has got to play out in the courts. I think that's that's the big takeaway here. It's all about the courts at this stage, unfortunately. Um, and look, just some other quick news: uh, the signings. I think Blake Enneber signed for three years to Brumbies. The Reds have signed uh, Duncan Payer, Ua, Hamish Stewart and Izzy Parisi uh, for a couple of years, which is good. Richard Hardwick and Richie Arnold uh, signing with the force. So the force actually getting into the player signings as well. So a bit happening around the trap there, which is interesting too. Oh, the other signing news, which is just broken, is, is James O'Connor has moved across to the Premiership and will be joining the Sale Sharks. We should have asked JB about him uh, being a big Sale fan. But uh, James O'Connor, another interesting step for him. Um, and that'll wrap us up, Hugh. Um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for, you know, sticking through to the very end. It's, uh, you know, it's where the, the true believers, uh, you know, stick through to the end well, with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Look, let's slag off Matt for a bit. Hey, geez. I mean, we'll talk about a, talk about a classic role. He just piking out in the last, I mean, he criticizes the Wallabies for lack of fitness, but he, you know, where's he in the last 10 yeah. years of this podcast? Completely anonymous. Yeah, yeah. Non-existent. Yes. So any comments on this podcast, any feedback, just, and if you're stuck through the end, just hashtag soft rally, S-O-F-T-W-R-O-W-L-E-Y. And, and, you know, let's get that message out there. Yeah, because frankly, um, he's, he's not going to listen to this anyway. I mean, he only turns <laughs> off, he only listens for the sound of his own voice. So he's turned off 10 minutes ago anyway. I'm just curious whether um, uh, uh, his uh, media monitors will pick up his name because I know he's got his name linked <laughs> up to Google that alerts. media monitor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, all right, guys. Uh, thanks you for joining us. Thanks Nick in the podcast booth for us, and thanks to all our listeners. Uh, let's hope, uh, like we alluded to earlier, there's a big turnaround for the Wallabies this weekend. We can have a big win. Otherwise, get out there and support your grassroots rugby, and we'll catch you next week. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a beer. To beer.